Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Welcome to Millennial 628. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. First episode from Vegas. I made it, ladies. Yay! I traveled the country, and I have a really bad background now. (laughs) This is what I have to show for it. This is why you got to use the Zoom backgrounds, man. Yeah, I don't like those. I don't like how they cut you out. Get yourself a a green wall like Laura. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll just have to paint this wall. I'm planning on like doing something over here for video podcasts, like a, a shelf or two with Funkos and some other stuff. And oh maybe my God, each how week, cute. I'll, yeah, maybe each week I'll feature something ridiculous on there, like a dildo or a picture of Laura. So it's like, where's Waldo <laughs> with a dildo? For random. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Laura with a dildo. Perfect. <laughs> we have a lot of ideas. We're covered for a month now. Um, yeah, we. So the first time we visited this place. We were like, wow, this is out there because we're on the outskirts of the city. If you look at it on a map, you're going to be like, is he even in Vegas? But the area is growing rapidly. So before long, we're going to be in practically the center of Vegas again. But now I'm like, wow, this is so peaceful and beautiful. There's no noise. I'm close to a highway, but I can't hear the highway. Everything is still close by. We're just really, really happy with this location. And it's funny because even just a few years ago, I don't think I would have said to myself, I'm going to live in almost the suburbs. Like if you look around this particular area, it looks like the suburbs. I always thought I would be a city person. In fact, there's probably episodes of Millennial where, where I say that. But now I'm like, you know what? This can work for me. Like I'm not in the suburbs like my parents are, like 45 minutes away from a major city. But it's way more peaceful than being in even the edge of Chicago. So I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, but only you know, 10 minutes away, maybe from San Francisco. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that's the way to go. And it kind of sounds like you figured out a way to do that. So you have a bit more of maybe like nature and a bit more peace, but you can still go into the city super easily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a straight shot down to the strip. So that's that's really nice. Um, So yeah, it's it's been good so far. And the trip out here was uneventful. Although in St. Louis, I was riding an electric scooter, and I hit a big pothole, and I face planted (laughs) on the street. And this was on the fucking street because you know how scooters they're, they're not supposed to be ridden on the sidewalk. So we were riding on the street and I could have died like I could have fallen off the scooter and then a car could have whizzed right by and ran over me. So it's kind of lucky that I'm here. So is How that pissed. the last time you're going to rent one of these? <laughs> last time I'm going to ride one on the street. And that we were riding the scooters to a bar. And then I'm sitting there at the bar, luckily outside, pouring water on my knee, trying to heal it. Oh, my goodness. That <laughs> was, was the, the universe trying to tell you, Andrew, 
stay inside. <laughs> Don't go out. <laughs> I was visiting a friend on the way to Vegas, so I couldn't do nothing. John in the Discord wants to know if you die, who owns the podcast? You two can fight for it. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to well, be a guys... very exciting fight. We can just, we'll probably just be <laughs> like, do you be want like, half? You take it. No, that's a, like Laura's right. We would just be like, oh, okay, should we share this? Okay, fine. That's yeah. cool. Glad we had Sounds this talk. Good. 50-50. <laughs> Lamela. The Lamela show. I think about that from time to time. Like, there better if I die, there better be an episode dedicated to me. All about me for an hour. And same thing for you two, obviously. If either of you died or any Mugglecaster died. Oh, we my would spend God. an hour. <laughs> too grim sorry i mean it's a little bit that you're thinking about me. it in <laughs> yeah and it, it's like that you've planned it you're like oh not just me but like any muggle caster any person i've been broadcasting with for 15 years sure honestly though spoken like a true news junkie and i'm yep. sure i've said this before but <laughs> oh when i first God. started interning one of my tasks at the station i was at was to update the obituaries mm. for the old Do people think that like the major news outlets, Andrew has rest in peace articles like preemptively written for all of us and they're just <laughs> saved as drafts. You know what? I'm going to do some digging on Hypeable tonight. <laughs> I have access to the <laughs> WordPress, so I'll let you know. I don't think we pre-write obituaries. So I think I've said this on the show before. In one of my classes in college, one of the assignments was to write our own obituary. And the point was to figure <laughs> out how you want to be remembered. Oh, that's that's a nice way to do it. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of fun. I need to see if I can find mine, actually. Maybe Just, I'll uh, publish it. We did that, too. But it was um, since, you know, I, I studied journalism, we got paired up and then we had to interview the other person's family and write mm -hmm. an obituary about that person. So that was kind of grim because you're like talking to these people's parents yeah you know being like tell me about your kid yeah which is <laughs> so awful that is that is some job and that is real we are not joking in journalism obituaries are pre-written because you know you look at the yeah. like the new york times ones for example i mean they're very lengthy they don't write those after the person dies they just get worked on over time and that is that is a grim yeah. job did you did you feel weird doing it, Pam? Um, well, I didn't have to do too, too much of it because a lot of it was already pre-written. So it was just like tacking on a, a sentence or two. It's like, I don't know. I think when I first started, I probably did feel a little bit weird. But you'd be surprised um, by how often it comes up. Because a lot of times, too, when I'm applying for jobs in the industry, they'll ask me to do, you know, writing samples. Like a, it's like a writing test, right, to see if you can do breaking news. And most of the time, an assignment is an obituary, but you get to pick the person. And that's oh. really weird because it's like, OK, who who should die today while I'm <laughs> trying to get this job? <laughs> well, speaking of death, while we were off, Regis <laughs> Philbin died. He was very well known in America. He hosted live with Regis and Kathy Lee and then live with Regis and Kelly and then the really popular game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I wanted to I wanted to mention it because he was really one of my broadcast idols. I was just so obsessed with how he hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He was so smooth, so confident and fun and just electrifying on the show. And I was so obsessed with him. I had his uh, biography, Who Wants to Be Me. Um, I was just really into him. And he died at 88. So he lived a good long life. But I just wanted to say rest in peace, 
Regis. Did you guys watch any of his work? Yeah, actually, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was one of the only game shows I ever regularly tuned in for, Mm. mainly because it's fun to play at home with your family. It is. Along with the contestant on the show. And you got so invested in the people. And I feel like he was the reason you got so invested. You know, he was really good at not only being an electrifying presence himself, but he was good at making you feel like the person, the contestant was the only person who mattered, right? Mm. Like he just, he had a way of like really providing a spotlight on people. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's something that doesn't come around all the time. And it's certainly sad to see a childhood icon go. Yeah. You know, like it's something bizarre about it to think that there's a world without Regis in it. (laughs) Yeah. And and you make a good point though, because I've watched since you know, Regis's reign on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I've watched Meredith Vieira host and most recently Jimmy Kimmel did the celebrity edition. And it really kind of puts into perspective um how effortless it it what it came to him, you know, hosting that and and moving the show along because it's just it was just blatantly apparent that he was not there. He was probably one of the reasons that I became interested in doing this whole podcasting thing. Also, while we were off, there were some new developments concerning TikTok, right, Pam? Yeah. So the last time we talked about this, uh, we had heard through, I think it was uh, Mike Pompeo had told Fox that President Trump was planning on going after TikTok. And turns out there was a lot more truth to that than we all thought there Mm -hmm. might be. And Trump during a, um, he had a press pool with him at Air Force One over the weekend, and he mentioned that yeah he was wanting to ban tiktok and originally he had said as early as saturday so i feel like everybody was scrambling to save all their favorite tiktoks (laughs) over the weekend Um, but he kind of walked it back on um kind of on sunday and also on monday today the biggest development we're hearing is that um the trump administration is going to give microsoft a chance to buy the app uh, from yeah. the original company. It's called uh, ByteDance, and they're based out of Beijing. But they definitely have to work with the U.S. government when they're doing that. And the president also said that he expects for the U.S. Treasury to receive some kind of payment as part of the deal. Um, but <laughs> I guess on like taxes or something. I don't know. But uh. But the important thing, I guess, really is that you know, Microsoft would be looking to acquire the company and also making sure that all of the data with relation to the 100 million U.S. residents that use the app on the daily stays in the United States and moves over to the United States. So there's no, you know, question about whether or not um, uh, TikTok out in Beijing is sending that information to the Chinese government. So I've also done a little bit of reading on this. And my understanding is that he actually can't just shut TikTok down. It would not no. happen that right. easily. This is just a classic case of Trump talking out of his ass. But if you're a teenager or you're a creator on TikTok who is making a lot of money off of TikTok, then you're probably panicking right now and you probably believe what Trump is saying. Um, so it is an interesting development that Microsoft might be buying them and right. we'll see what happens. But as he can keep saying that he's going to shut them down. Did you guys just see that person behind me in the window over there? No. <laughs> <laughs> his head, it's, it's the neighbor. He was looking through his window across the way. Um, anyway. I will um, say, I don't think it's very smart, um, to 
keep talking about this, especially if, you know, we get the Gen Z turnout that we're expecting in, in mm-hmm. the election coming up. Um, and I think that in the back of his mind, he kind of knows this, which is why they kind of walked it back a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So and then one more important thing about this very quickly is that Microsoft ha- has until September 15th to come up with a, a deal that works for everybody. So we'll see what happens. But TikTok is safe for now. So um, you can keep enjoying your favorite time suck, time suck app. Phew. I will say some of the stuff that I saw on Sunday morning was just gold. Oh, yeah, it was so good. Uh, All of the people (laughs) posting their, like, freak out TikToks, TikToks of people twerking against a Donald Trump background. (laughs) Things like like me going to seduce the White House guard (laughs) so I could save TikTok is so good. (laughs) I need to get on TikTok. I'm still not on it, but it sounds like I'm missing out. You know, I don't have an account. I just lurk and watch whatever you know, comes through my for you page. And honestly, like you can still get the algorithm to show you things that you like, even if you don't have an account and you're just working. It just takes a minute. Um, Right. It's pretty fun. Well, we also wanted to take this opportunity to wish a happy birthday to Dan T. Dan T happens to be my dad, and he's also a regular listener of the show and one of our patrons, too. Oh, Um, that's right. So sweet. Yeah. We wanted to, you know, bring this up because typically our family would be at the beach to celebrate dad's birthday. And obviously, because of current events, that's a trip that we've had to hold off on. And I know that it's a bummer um, because we are all a bunch of beach bums and we have to go there at least once a year to recharge. So I don't know what this is going to look like, but we at least wanted to take some time to say happy birthday, Dad. Thank you for listening to the show. And you are on vacation this week, right? I am. Yeah. So I had originally taken this week off because Mark and I had booked a trip to Seattle earlier this year. Um, You guys might remember me talking about this on the show because it was in early March and I was like, holy shit, guys, flights are really cheap right now. I'm going to go ahead and book because I was thinking maybe this will be over by August. And, you know, it's not. So obviously we're not going. We had a few months ago thought maybe we can go to the beach that week and just do a socially distant beach trip. But then Florida decided that it was just going to go full on red for the COVID outbreak. So we were like, well, I guess we're not doing that, which means I am having a staycation. So what does that mean? What are you doing in your COVID staycation? (laughs) I'm playing a lot of video games. I'm hanging out and catching up on some reading and uh, movies I've missed out on. Also doing a lot of work related to our place and trying to like get the wheels turning on some of these repairs that need to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Did you smoke today? Yes. Excellent. Can you, are you tell? High, are you high right now? Not, no, like mm. a little buzzed. Okay. Can you tell? Should I not have told anybody? Well, maybe this is why you have no. the ponytail. You're just staring at yourself in the mirror high and you're like, you know what? Ponytail. Yeah, that's that's how being high works. <laughs> why? You have weird thoughts exactly when you're high. Exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering how to vacation with COVID going on right now. You really, you really can't. No. I mean, you can do what you're doing, but 
Pam, you were on vacation last week too, right? Yeah, my um, my brother was visiting with his girlfriend. Uh, they live up in Portland, so they came down because you know nobody can really vacation right now, but they can sure as heck staycation with us. So um, that was pretty interesting. I kind of felt bad because she. I don't know if she spent that much time in the area. I keep forgetting to ask her. And it's not really like the best time to come out. I know that they had been wanting to do like some wine tasting, but everything's closed. So we tried to make the best of it. And um, and we did like wine tasting in the backyard. And we Uh-oh. did a couple of picnics and went out to the beach. So it was still nice, but definitely mm. like way more mellow than it would have been if everything was open. Yeah. In better news, Taylor Swift dropped a whole new album. With basically no warning, you can almost say she pulled a Beyonce, although I hate making that comparison anymore because a lot of people do that these days. And Pam, you're a big Tay-Tay fan, right? So I do love me some Taylor Swift. This was, um, you know, the highlight of the summer in a lot of ways for me because what else is going on? <laughs> right. Um, and it did kind of, you know, honestly, she gave nobody any warning. She, I was reading up on this and she hardly gave the studio any warning either Mm. like she told them the night before in the evening so everybody was kind of left in the dark but that's also kind of like a testament to as well to you know how nice it is for her to be at a label that would let her roll with something like this Mm -hmm. um but i think after listening to the album i kind of understand why she chose to surprise drop it and i almost kind of feel like she wouldn't have been able to release it any other way because it's such a huge departure to the sound that she's been rolling with for the past you know six years when she's really been leaning into pop and um it's very different um but it still feels familiar and she's playing a lot with the indie sound in this there's a little bit of like folk and americana tinged Mm -hmm. in there as well and if you like melancholy music then you will love this even if you're maybe not the biggest fan it is definitely that and it i think it's the perfect quarantine album yeah it's great for just playing in the background while you're working or doing chores around the house like it it she really could not have released it at a better time Mm -hmm. that said i do find it a little too slow so like i can get through the first six seven tracks and then i'm like i need something a little more energized so that maybe i'll sense. switch to other taylor I, I um am like still a closet emo kid so i really like sad music <laughs> um so this is right up my street but but definitely like if you're looking for something that's up tempo this is not it but maybe yeah. circle back to it in the fall when everybody's trying to you know mellow out a bit yeah what do you make of i, I saw a lot of chatter online speculating about Taylor Swift's sexuality as a result of this release. And I mean, there are two ways you can take this conversation. You can have the conversation or you can have the conversation about whether or not it's appropriate or helpful to speculate about people's orientation if they haven't explicitly said anything. Yeah. So this is an ongoing discussion. I think that In a lot of ways, it sort of makes sense that people are looking for clues because Taylor Swift is very infamous for dropping breadcrumbs and Easter eggs in her music. Um, So it makes sense that people, you know, read way further into 
um, songs, no matter what album she's put out. And they're definitely doing that with this album as well. Um, I think that the the song that most people are talking about is Betty. And when you listen to that track, it sounds like it's a love triangle sort of between a guy and two girls. Mm. But then the guy's name is James. And so then fans are like, but Taylor Swift is named for James Taylor. So maybe it's a, a pseudonym for herself. And she's mm. like the the third player so really maybe it's a love triangle between three women and not like a guy and two women and it kind of just rolls from there um i don't know i i think that you make a really good point about assuming people's sexuality and as far as taylor swift has told us herself she is straight so I don't know if it's necessarily healthy, especially with her push to be a better ally to the LGBTQ plus community to continue assuming things about her sexuality if she doesn't want us to assume those things. But it's kind of hard to make a judgment call on that if she's not um, speaking more about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't know herself what she it's is possible. Yet. Yeah. So she's kind of figuring it out in her songwriting. But yeah, good job, Taylor Swift. I don't really listen to much Bon Iver, but man, that Exile oh, song. Woo! You should. I love Bon Iver. Let's play Exile uh, for the closing music today because right. that one is real good. Um, Before we jump into some news, uh, we do have a confessional. The confessional uh, says, I've always been a huge advocate for decriminalizing sex work, but never really considered that I would ever participate in those kinds of things. But last week, I met up with a sugar daddy, and it was so liberating. I actually had a nice time with a very sweet man. People make it sound like sex workers should feel shame, but I feel the complete opposite. I felt proud using my body to get something I wanted. I felt like I was in control of my body, especially when being a woman in this world means so many people think they have a right to it without my consent. I'm not recommending this to people since obviously it's illegal in most places and can be dangerous. I think you also have to have a certain mindset to choose this kind of work. I don't think I'm going to do this on a regular basis, but it really did boost my confidence and showed me that sex work can be a really positive thing. I love this. And I've said it on the Mm -hmm. show before. People might have thought I was joking, but I wasn't. I would probably do this to make some money. I've told Pat, if you want to make some money, because he's got a nice ass, I'd pay for that ass. (laughs) Go get fucked by a daddy. I don't care. Be a sugar baby. I know a couple of people in L.A. who have played around in this industry, uh, no pun intended, on a on a website that's escaping me at the moment. But there are websites, maybe people on Discord can help me, where you can go on and set up a profile and then you can connect with other people. Now, the only caveat here is, of, of course, it has to be safe. If I were to go and become uh, a sugar baby and they wanted to fuck me without a condom, I'd probably say, no, not probably. I would say no. Um, so yeah, as long as it's done safely, I find it extremely harmless. Is there a lot of shame around it? Yeah, and that's messed up. So to this person who wrote this confessional, I think that's awesome what you're doing. And you make some good money. So why the hell mm-hmm. not? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like this was a really empowering experience for you. 
I love that. And I, I too, am in favor of decriminalizing sex work. Um, you know, it's something that's going to happen anyway. And as long as all parties are consenting and safe, then it is harmless, like Andrew said. So thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate how open you were about that and how positive. Yeah. And this person said that it was liberating. And I'm also just thinking that it must it must feel really good to feel wanted and that somebody actually wants to pay for you. Also, isn't that technically tax free? That's great. Hell yeah. <laughs> what do you mean technically? Well, Can't I tax mean, it's my like body. Under the table, right? Right. Payment probably. under the table. So you don't have to pay taxes on that. Uh, I would love to load up Venmo one day and then I just see like a transaction to Pam and it says for fucking me. <laughs> I would just say, though, I mean, I, to my knowledge, I don't think anyone here would be able to give like advice about how to do this safely. Um, but I think definitely doing your research yeah. beforehand just to make sure everything is above board and safe. Yeah. And then have I was, fun. I was talking in terms of STDs and right. pregnancies, preventing yeah, those. But yeah, true. in terms of like transacting safely, <laughs> doing business safely. Yeah. And going into because you have to go into that person's house. And who know, maybe they want to invite you over and then murder you like you don't know. So, yeah, it, it sounds risky for sure. in in many different ways, speaking of this, I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to either talk about jobs that we've done or jobs that we've strongly considered in the past that weren't necessarily part of our plan that we saw for ourselves. Yeah, well, in addition to being a sex worker, <laughs> um, the one so I've been pretty fortunate in terms of my career. But the one thing that was never part of my plan, but that I did was being an Uber driver. That's not, you know, a sexy job. And typically, when you hear that somebody's been an Uber driver, it's like, oh, they must be hard up on cash. And money was tight for a while for me. And that's part of the reason why I did it. And I also just wanted reasons to get out of the house more because working from home, I just, it's, it, you, you're itching to get out. And it was such a great way to meet new people. Even though I'd see them once and then never again, it was cool to actually talk with people in my car. It was very refreshing. I would, I would typically come home in a good mood because I just met a bunch of new people and it was interesting hearing about their lives and going to new places all over LA. So I really, I, at first, I probably had a little shame with it. I wasn't announcing that I'm now an Uber driver. Lucky me. But by the end of it, I was willing to talk about it openly because I was having a lot of fun with it. I uh, I don't know if I ever told either of you this. I once interviewed to be a storm drain cleaner uh, salesperson. <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> because I needed a job. And Why that specific? It paid well, like the hourly was good. Mm. And I was sort of, I was at a point where I really didn't know what was next for me. So I was like, okay, I just need a job that pays decently so that I can just save some money while I figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I like went to this interview and the guy seemed perplexed when he saw me. And I can only assume just based on his like level of rapport with me and also a couple of things he said throughout the interview that it was his first time interviewing a woman for the position 
because it was a door to door salesperson position. So like oh. I would have had to like walk around and like knock on people's doors and like walk them around their house and like show them all the shit that I didn't know anything about, which yeah. I presume they would have taught me. Um, but then I had like worn a nice blouse and some slacks and like a pair of heels to this interview. And he was like, yeah, I mean, like you wouldn't need to dress like that. Yeah. While you're doing this. And I was like, oh, okay. But I was still strongly considering it just because the hourly pay was so good. But then I ended up getting hired at Apple and I was like, fuck that. <laughs> and how did you hear that the hourly pay was good? Did you Google well-paying hourly jobs? Like, I'm just confused how you landed uh, think... on that because it's so specific. Storm drain cleaner. Yeah. I think I found it on one of those like, indeed or like job sites best hourly jobs of 2020 (laughs) i was just looking i was looking for jobs in my area that were listing a starting wage Mm. because i was like i don't want to get into this like going through a whole interview process only to find that they're only paying like minimum wage fuck that yeah this is not as exciting but i did dabble in nannying for a hot minute um and it wasn't intended it was just that my uh, i had a friend the first few years i was at san francisco state who was doing it almost full time in addition to studying and she just had like too many families she was nannying for so she asked if i wanted to you know, take over some clients um and I ended up doing it for a few months. And these were like, like really rich people too. So it was really crazy. And I don't know, it it wasn't for me. I think it was like a little too strict. Um, But it was really interesting to just kind of, um, you know, be in that world for a hot minute. Um, Yeah, you know, they wanted stuff like, like, can you please put like, together an itinerary of what you might do with our children while we leave you with them um mm. you know like what what kind of outings would you do how would you ensure their safety and all this stuff it wasn't just like watch the kids it was like how are you going to stimulate their minds so mm. that was kind of weird yeah. um but it paid really well so that yeah was nice. i was gonna say i was gonna ask because you said they were rich so at least it yeah paid it was well. like um the one lady that i was working for and it was kind of um she still for like a few years after I moved away was calling me and asking me if I was free. So I guess she liked me more than I thought, but she had a three-year-old and then a, um, an 18 month old and I was getting paid $30 an hour to watch both of them. And how many hours a day was that? It was uh six hours a day. Sometimes wow. a little bit longer. 270 a day. Shit. 270 yeah. a day. Yeah. All right. So times five, 1350 mm-hmm. times four. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. I that's, think I was, I, it helped well. because my, you know, my friend was already doing it. So she was kind of able to tell me like what the prices were. Cause, you know, I had told her, oh, like I had done babysitting before in high school. Um, and I think the most I charged was like maybe $15 an hour. She's like, no, go higher. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're certified in CPR and like first aid oh. and also in baby CPR. Go way higher. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. And was that under the table? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Pam, yeah. why'd you leave that? I mean, I'm glad you're here, but why'd yeah. you leave that? <laughs> How do we make millennial payments under the table? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds nice. Yeah. 
Well, those are all interesting. Yeah. I think it's just a testament to the fact that it's always good to consider trying new things. Yeah. You know, even if you don't necessarily follow through with it. I'm seeing a theme here, Laura. Rats, storm drain cleaners. Which came first? Did you find rats in the storm drain cleaners? And then no. you're like, oh, these are actually pretty nice. No, I interviewed for the storm drain cleaning job first. I see. Long okay. before I was in New York. Interesting. Interesting. Perhaps it is a pattern. <laughs> hmm. Well, anyway, speaking of something that you should absolutely consider, it's time for a quick word from one of our sponsors, Rothy's. Rothy's makes stylish, sustainable shoes and bags for life on the go. They're carefully crafted with eco-friendly materials like repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. And as summer turns to fall, Rothy's is here to make your day with comfortable, washable, and sustainable products. I've been wearing Rothy's for a couple of years now, and I can say they are my go-to shoe. They're seamlessly knit with thread made from plastic water bottles, so they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. And they're always coming up with new styles and silhouettes. The newest addition to Rothy's is their first adjustable sneaker. The lace-up is out of this world comfortable, and I am so excited to get my own pair after my experience with the most reliable flats I've ever owned, thanks to Rothy's. Rothy's has kept 50 million single-use plastic bottles out of landfills and transformed them into their signature thread, which is then knit into beautiful, sustainable products. This checks a lot of boxes for all of the fashion-forward environmental conservationists out there. Check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L for comfort, style, and sustainability. Head to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L today. Okay, it's time for Trumpster Fire 2020. This week on Survivor. (laughs) So Biden is getting close to announcing his VP pick. He reportedly has narrowed it down to two women. Remember, a few months ago, he pledged that his vice presidential nominee would be a woman. The two people at the front of the race, apparently, are Representative Karen Bass of California and Susan E. Rice, the former national security advisor. The latter is probably more well known because she was the national security advisor. What do you two think of these picks? Any thoughts? Um, I'm definitely gunning for Susan Rice. Um, I I do think that there is a name recognition factor at play there, but yeah. I think I think that she also has political or rather like foreign affairs experience that mm-hmm. more Americans could understand. I think being recognizable is really mm-hmm. important going up against Trump. But Pam, I don't know. Do you follow Karen Bass much? I was just going to say this. Like, I, I know the name because I know that she is, um, you know, out. He- she's the, what do you call it? A California senator. But I, I would not be able to tell you what she's done recently. And mm. I feel like that probably says a lot. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I'm that like uh, behind on current events. So um I don't know, make of that what you will. But I think that Laura brings up a really good point as far as, you know, what Susan Rice could potentially bring to the table. Both of these women are black. It would be really cool to get a black female vice president. 
after what Trump has done these past few years. Not that that matters much. Their experience matters more. But we'll see. I think within the next week, Biden is going to be making an announcement. Because also, the DNC and the RNC are coming up really soon. Yeah. (laughs) Again, it feels like we're still in March, but they're happening, whether we believe it or not. Yeah. Also, there are a lot of headlines a few days ago because Trump floated the idea of delaying the 2020 presidential election on Twitter. We hesitate to give much attention to it, though, because he can't do that. That's up to Congress, not him. And he does not have that power. It's a distraction, right, Laura? Correct. Um, I wouldn't put it past him to try and do something to interfere with voter turnout for the election, but he cannot actually delay the election itself. Of course, he can. Con- he continues to harp on mail-in ballots being totally fraudulent and they, they won't work. And but absentee it's just gonna... ballots are okay. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just like... he's... Same thing. He, yeah. he and his family members have also used mail-in ballots before. So he's a total hypocrite. Surprise, surprise. Um, but he just knows that he's not... He, I hesitate to say this because of 2016, but he feels like he's not going to win the election. And I've been meaning to do this. I've been meaning to go back into his fucking Twitter account and look at all the times that he called into question the validity of the 2016 election and the weeks leading up to that, because it looks like he was going to lose there as well. Um, So we have to remember those comments because it just, you know, after he won the election, there was no more comment about the election being rigged or fake because he won it. Yeah. And just jumping ahead a couple of points here, um, I would argue (laughs) The reason for this idea to potentially postpone the 2020 election, it is distraction fodder because we know that the same day he tweeted this was the same day that we saw the report that the U.S. gross domestic product had decreased at an annual rate of 32.9% for the second quarter of 2020. Um, That's unheard of. Obviously, none of us here are economists. But to give everybody an idea of what this means on sort of a very macro level, annual rates refer to the rate of growth if sustained over a full year. So the gross domestic product did not drop 32.9% during Q2, but it dropped at a rate at which if it remained consistent for the rest of 2020, that is how much GDP could tank this year if it continues unchanged. Um, There's also no historic precedent for the economy shrinking this much in in the span of one quarter. Um, Actually, a, a really good article for Forbes, which we can link to in the show notes, says to put the current numbers into perspective, one definition of a depression is a decline in GDP of 10%. Wow. And we're looking at 32, almost 33%. So uh, the fact that this came out on the same day that his attempt to put out feelers about the idea of delaying the election is not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. I really think that whenever we get coronavirus under control, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen in this year at this point, which is horrible to say. We've basically lost this entire year. This whole year has been a wash. (laughs) It's unbelievable. But when we do get things under control, finally, I really do believe that we are going to rally again as a country hard. 
I mean, there just seems to be a lot of faith in getting things back together as quickly as possible, as soon as we can. But, you know, everybody is wearing a mask now, so that's good. I think that's one of the things that have actually changed in the past few weeks. Like, there was a lot of hesitancy towards wearing masks, and now a lot of people are. Um, I digress, though. Well, Trump finally came out and called mask wearing patriotic. And I can say that even down here in Trump land, mask compliance has gone way up. It's just so frustrating that we could have done this from the start. He could have done the right thing from the beginning and helped make this not as as bad as it's turned out. Um, And this sort of takes me back to the discussion on our gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to sort of have a discussion about is Trump really to blame or is he totally to blame for all of this? I would argue not. I think that with like this virus was going to hit no matter what. And we would have seen some kind of economic shrinkage as a result of it. But it didn't have to be nearly this bad. I would blame Trump because Trump and his administration because he could have handled this a lot better. We could have been through this already. Yeah. No, I blame him for not handling it better. Mm -hmm. I think I agree with you. I think we're pretty much on the same page there. My point is just to say that even if we had handled this well, there wouldn't have been like zero economic impact. For sure. But we would have already been in recovery. Yep. And hopefully things would not have gotten as bad. What do you yeah. think, Pam? Um, no, yeah, I, I agree. I think that a lot of it comes down to how everything was handled overall. And I mean, it's kind of hard too because even if it, they had handled it, the way they should have, there's also the matter of, you know, uh, a resurgence. Like, we're just going to keep seeing uh, the coronavirus spike uh, over the course of however long it takes to get a vaccine. So, of course, the economy was going to take a hit, and so was the GDP, but we're just not, it just kind of sucks that we're already starting so low. You know, mm-hmm. because we could have started a bit higher and then like gradually it might have decreased um, over the ebb and flow of the pandemic. But Right. Well, what's also frustrating is this, you know, as we've alluded to, there would have been some economic impact no matter what. It was just a matter of how bad it was going to be. Can you imagine if we had President Hillary Clinton and she had taken this seriously from the start, but then we saw any degree of economy shrinkage she would have been massacred oh my god yeah Yeah. it would have been a fucking field day like gdp shrinks you know 15 percent in q2 but at the same time that i mean that would have the we all know the republican party would have been up in arms um regardless of who was sitting in the oval office if it was a democrat you know it wouldn't have mattered the payroll protection program and the extra money towards people's unemployment was for a limited time and the administration and congress were thinking that we would have been through coronavirus by now so maybe ppp would have actually kept all of these businesses afloat if we did actually tackle coronavirus effectively and like i said a couple weeks ago trump is only thinking in the short term he can't fathom the idea of calling for a national lockdown for two weeks 
because that would just kill the economy for two weeks. He would rather <laughs> have this sustained failure of the economy for months, potentially a year or more, just because he doesn't want to shut things down in the short term. My dad thinks that he's going to all of a sudden institute a national lockdown like two weeks before the election. I almost jokingly said that earlier. Like, yeah, it sounds like it would something not he surprise would, me. He'll probably float that on Twitter. Yeah. And then everybody will attack him and then he'll back off. But he'll test that on Twitter for sure. Um, and this does lead us into the Rona Roundup. This is, I can't take this music anymore. It's just too sad. It's, just thinking about how this is going on for a year, it's too sad. There really has been no progress in terms of the next stimulus package. There's been a debate over... It looks like everybody will get $1,200 again, but there's been um, a debate over how much extra people who are unemployed should be receiving. And then there's some other smaller things. But that's the big deal right now, right? Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunately getting pretty scary, too, for folks who were benefiting from the moratorium that was put on evictions during the beginning of this, mm -hmm. um, because that has been done away with, which means if you're not able to make rent right now, you can still be evicted. Yeah. One of our listeners, Chris, posted something in the Millennial Facebook group that I uh, asked for her permission to read on air because I thought it was uh, it was very well said. She said, I'm genuinely freaking concerned. I'm getting 249 from DETR per week plus the ending 600. I don't know about anyone else, but I can't live off of less than a grand a month. I'm not a big crier. It takes a royal fuck ton to rattle me, but I'm starting to feel like I might need to. I'm so utterly disappointed in my state and federal representatives. I don't think I could ever trust them ever again. They've done fuck all to curb this when most other countries got a handle on it by June. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is where everybody is at right now. People in D.C. are fighting over this bullshit when people like Chris and so many others are really hurting and they really need this extra money. Yeah. And Congress also just took a long weekend. Great. And Trump yeah. golfed both days this past weekend. It's insane. Right. No, and people are suffering across the board on this. We also got an example from a property manager over the weekend. They said, I know a lot of people paint landlords as Satan himself. And you know what? That might be right in a lot of cases with private landlords out for greed. But there's also another side to it, such as an established management company like the one I work for that also has an owner of the property. Those owners have to pay for any apartment that is either occupied or is, that is either not occupied or one that is occupied, but the resident is not paying for each month, which it turns out puts the owner of the property at jeopardy to pay their own bills, which can put the property in a dangerous position. It's an interesting situation because on one hand, I can see why renters look at these property managers and they're like, what the fuck? Why are you making me pay rent? And I understand from the property manager or the owner's perspective that, hey, I've got bills to pay too. But... Yeah. This is the risk you take as a property owner. There's a chance that you might not be able to have somebody in there who can pay rent, or you may just not be able to fill that place with somebody, period. So if I'm looking at this from the renter side, I have less sympathy 
for the owner because every business has risks. And this is the one that you have right now. It's harsh, but... Yeah, I think that there needs to be more assistance for everyone across the board, especially for these small property management companies. I mean, there are a lot of those that are small family operations, too. And they all, like, in addition to saying put a moratorium on evictions, why wouldn't we do something to incentivize landlords not to throw people out rather than to tell them, no, you can't throw people out. And also you're screwed financially. It seems like there's some kind like Republicans are great at finding tax breaks. It seems like there should be something they can find to benefit those people so that they don't find themselves adversely affected when they're trying to do the human thing and not make people homeless. Yeah. Or at least take off the interest, maybe. So Mm -hmm. their mortgage is cheaper. Yeah. Kind of a lighter topic. I enjoy following at Google Trends on Twitter. This is an official Google account, and they'll tweet about what people have been searching for recently. And they shared this data last week, dating during COVID trends. So there has been a 3,000% spike in the past three months in the U.S. for the phrase best dating site for marriage, which I found interesting that people are specifically looking for dating sites that help you get married. (laughs) Is there such a thing? I mean, I just assume it's like Match.com, right? Or like eHarmony. Yeah, or anything you have to pay for, I assume that people are more serious about. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I like how people are just like, I don't even care about the dating part. I just want to get married. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of time free during the pandemic when we're all shut inside our houses to plan a wedding. So Uh I guess that makes sense. And why do people suddenly want to get married? And, you know, a 3000% Maybe something to look forward to at the end of all of this. I don't know. And I guess they just realize they're lonely right now. <laughs> yeah, being that stuck too. Inside. Yeah, uh, and or Aaron in the Discord says that's because the reality of dying alone has become much, much more real. Honestly, Ooh, that's dark. true. <laughs> dark. Next phrase: How to meet people during quarantine saw a six hundred fifty percent spike over the past two months in the U.S. That's a great question. I thought we could try to answer that one. How can you meet people during quarantine? And this is going to be the title of the episode. And then this is going to appear in the search results. So let's give them good answers. Is it cheating if I know somebody who's done this? No. Okay. So I know a couple of folks who've met people and it's been through the dating app situation. And they've actually had their first couple of dates over Zoom. Okay. Did it go well? Yeah. I think it forces you, unlike, you know, dating IRL... Um, I think it forces you to really have a conversation with somebody and to really get to know somebody because there's nothing else to do. And you have to stay focused on yep. the screen slash them or else you look terrible. Right. Man, though, I would if a date was going wrong, though, it, the nice thing about dating during quarantine is you could so easily end the call and just be like, my connection dropped. I lost internet and power. Sorry. Oh, my God. That's so rude. Well, that's, that's that's a good point, though. <laughs> it's the twenty twenty so out of that date. Yeah, it's the twenty twenty version of having your friend call you and pick up the phone and be like, "Oh God, no, no, I'm coming. Don't worry, Catherine, I mean, I'm coming." I guess you could still do that via Zoom. <laughs> I'm also thinking not 
dating per se, but just meeting other people, like social groups. And my answer to this, how to meet people during quarantine would be, and I've recommended this before, finding new Facebook groups, people who are also yeah. who are interested in the same things as you. And I hate to promote Facebook, but Facebook groups are really fantastic. Um, but there's probably other ways. How do you meet people? I mean, I I I mentioned that I had, you know, we had like done outdoor activities when my brother and his girlfriend were visiting and um, we went out to Dolores Park, which I would not recommend doing during quarantine on the weekend because it's probably way too packed. But if you go on like a weekday, you know, a Tuesday or a Wednesday to, you know, a local park, I'm sure that you could probably meet people that way because other people are social distancing, too. And you could maybe strike up a conversation with somebody you're sitting close to. Hey, hey, well, <laughs> nice I mean, actually, they, they have the uh, the circles all across yeah. the lawn right now so like there's no reason for you to to get out you know of that circle they're okay a lot closer than i would think they would be but. yeah and i guess mm. it might be if you're not too shy it could be easy to strike a conversation up with somebody who's in the circle next to you because yeah. you're kind of like all in this together so you yeah. can just look at them and yeah. be like hey how about this huh or like a couple times like because people will have their dogs off leash and so dogs will like they they don't know what social distancing is. Right. So you could have right. like a little dog meet cute. It could happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or if you like somebody in the other circle is reading a book that you know, just be like, oh, I yeah. love that book. And then yeah. spoil it for them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think I have found myself being more chipper about like having conversations impromptu, like out in public, like typically when I go to the store and stuff, I don't talk to anybody. But if somebody addresses me in the store now, I get a lot of like comments on my hair usually. And I've become chattier as a result of that. And I think it's because we're all kind of missing that day to day normal interaction that we get with people. So I actually think people are going to be more open to that kind of thing right now, you know, mm. to having mm -hmm. a stranger be like, oh, I love that book that you're reading or just like start making conversation. Yeah. And then this final trend, fun date ideas during COVID uh, that doubled in search interest. We kind of spoke about this already, so we don't have to get into it too much. But I think Zoom, like, you know how we sometimes do movie commentaries in podcast form? Like, you can mm -hmm. watch a movie together or a TV, TV show together. You have your laptop and then you have your... Well, I guess you could do, do both things on a laptop at the same time. Like, Or like Pam mentioned, parks, there's still plenty of open spaces that are open to the public and you don't have to get anywhere near anybody else. And a lot of these parks have signs saying, hey, keep your distance, please. So those would be my two top picks. And I think, or like, not. like Laura was saying, too, I think a lot of people, like, we're all itching for social interaction. So I, I think that people are generally friendlier um, yeah. right now, if they're not being assholes. Yeah. And one other thing I just wanted to mention, this is really important. There's, like Laura said, this huge debate over wearing masks. We've spoken about it a lot. Now... Researchers say that masks may reduce the viral dose that you take in. 
Experts are pointing to an array of evidence suggesting that masks also protect the people wearing them. And we've spoken about this before, that there's been studies that say if you wear the mask, you're actually helping others more than yourself. Well, now it turns out they actually help you, too. Um, One doctor, Dr. Monica Gandhi, said that um, different kinds of masks block virus to a different degree, but they all block the virus from getting in. They all block the virus from getting in. So just wear the damn mask. It's so easy. It's trendy now. You know, Laura, you said it took a while for people to start wearing masks, and I'm glad to hear that in Georgia, a lot of people are wearing them now. It just wasn't cool at the beginning. You looked a little crazy. When I was wearing my mask for the first couple of weeks, I felt a little crazy. It's like AirPods the first time you see people wearing them. They look like an idiot. Those things in your ears look stupid. But then enough people wear them for a long enough period and you're like, okay, they're trendy now. Right? That's what's happened with masks now. Yeah, they've become more normalized. Yeah. I love it. I love Mm -hmm. it so much. I love my different patterns. Yeah. I love my Animal Crossing mask. The guy in Subway yesterday was like, I love your mask. I'm like, thanks. He's like, Tom Nook? I'm like, no, his two children. Wow, this is weird to talk about. (laughs) Well, look, that's how you can meet people. Just get some cool masks. Oh, man. That ties it all together. Thank you, Get a mask that's a conversation starter. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I want a mask with a good statement on it. Just like wear a fucking mask or you see a lot of uh, Black Lives Matter masks. Those are good. Maybe I'll get a Biden 2020 mask closer to the election. Well, while we're stuck at home, I've taken this opportunity to get more comfortable with my eyebrow game. And that's where our next sponsor, Anastasia Beverly Hills, comes in. Pam and I have been rocking our favorite new brow products for the last few weeks. And I've really enjoyed being able to range my brows from super bold to super casual. I actually did not fill in my brows today because I just didn't feel like it, but Anastasia still had my back. I used Anastasia's clear brow gel on my natural brows to give them a soft, flexible hold that would add more dimension to my natural brows. It was as easy as one, two swipe through each brow, and I was ready to go. Pam, you're also rocking some Anastasia product too, right? Yeah, like you, I'm super obsessed with the clear gel. Um, It's a really, really easy way to, and I don't even think I have unruly brows, but you'd be surprised what it can do to just put everything together. Mm -hmm. And it's super light. It's not crunchy. It's not flaky. Stays all day. And a fun fact for everyone at home, Anastasia's Brow Wiz is the number one U.S. brow product. And one Brow Wiz is sold every nine seconds. These are great for detailing your brows and adding some extra natural hair-like strokes. And of course, we've got a code for you. Head to AnastasiaBeverlyHills.com and use promo code M-I-L-L to get 15% off your first order. That's A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A, BeverlyHills.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order using promo code M-I-L-L at checkout. All right, let's talk about Song of the Summer. Um, I thought that this would be interesting because we're kind of nearing the end and on a normal year, there might have been a clear front runner, but you know, it doesn't really seem to be the case in 2020. Thanks, Corona. Um, you know, usually this is a song that you hear when you're out everywhere, but when we're all staying at home, we're only hearing, you know, what we're choosing to listen to. So I wanted to know if you guys feel like the song of the summer even exists in 2020 
or if you just feel like it's a bit of a throwaway and everybody should just pick whatever they want. Yeah. I feel like to be in touch with a potential song of the summer, you need to be listening to Top 40 Radio because they bat you over the head with certain songs. Or you need to be listening to like the the most listened to playlists on Spotify, like the top song playlist. I don't listen to either of those. So it's a little bit tougher for me. However, you know, Spotify keeps me um, in touch with the current trends. And my feeling right now is probably Rain On Me from Gaga is going to be the top Chromatica song and the song of the summer. Because it's really damn catchy. The more I listen to it, the more I love it. I'm like singing it in my head all day. And um, yeah, so that one, uh, Say So by Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj. Let's just say so. That one's pretty good. And then also, this one's not new. And I maybe Say So isn't either. But Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. There's something about that song. I just love the freaking title. And it's very, it just feels very modern to me. And it's just got good summer vibes i was thinking that the other day i purposely clicked that song because i was like that song puts me in a summer mood so those are my picks right now i've always had my own song of the summer i know we talk about this every year i don't listen to top 40 so i'm never like really in the know about what is big at the moment but i have a lot of music that really speaks to me about just different times of year and the types of feelings that that elicits. And in the summer, some of my favorite stuff to listen to is stuff like the Ramones. Like the Ramones are my favorite beach music. That's probably because when I was a kid, we listened to the Ramones a lot when we were going to the beach. So that's what it reminds me of. It elicits those kinds of feelings for me. Um, Also super into the Bastard Sons in the summertime, anything reggae or ska, always appeal to me during this time of year. So I think of it more in terms of genres that really work for me during this season than about specific songs, if that makes sense. It does. And I think that I tend to do the same thing because when you're going on a road trip or something, I also like um, associate road trips with summertime. Mm -hmm. It's always like you're looking for that, like some kind of vibe that will get you through, you know, eight hours of driving Mm -hmm. that feels like summer. So for me, that's very like, um, it's either like up-tempo dream pop or up-tempo surf rock. Um, Anything that's like new, but kind of reminiscent of the Beach Boys, I'm here for. And that's, (laughs) um, that's my jam in the, in the summer months. Um, But, but, you know, even if we're not, listening to top 40 it's kind of like summer is also a time when you're out with friends right so even if you're going to you know the bar or you're going to an outdoor restaurant or something like that like that's kind of when you start hearing these songs right right um and and that's why i think that this year is kind of interesting because it's not really like we're collectively listening to these things while we're out and about enjoying the weather i have to say my favorite spotify feature I love this so much. Is the Your Summer Rewind oh, playlist? Yeah, me That's too. It's a custom playlist. It's made up of the songs that you listen to most over every summer that you've had a Spotify account. So this is one of my go tos. I freaking love it. Hopefully, some songs from this year will be added to it next year, probably. Although I've said before, and I still maintain the best, the all time best song of the summer is Cool for the Summer by Demi Lovato. It's just so freaking good. (laughs) 
I'm obsessed with it forever. It's still catchy as hell. Cool for the summer. Cool for the summer. Cool for the summer. Don't tell your mother. Don't tell your mother. <laughs> that was a good album too. The the whole album that that track was oh, on. Was it? I need to listen mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. What was it? Um, Confident? Is it, it, wasn't that on the Confident album or was it the one okay. right after that? Both of, She released two consecutively and they were both really good. So if you... It if was you're confident. kind of like pop music, I would I would listen to those because I think okay. she put out some of the best pop albums of the last, you know, five years. Okay, nice. But yeah, that's my answer to the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like I, all the summer playlists on Spotify are worth listening to. And I'm sure Apple Music has a couple good ones, even though I find Spotify playlists better. Yeah, I agree. Anything Gaga. Um, I think all my picks yes. are like 10 years old. Um, <laughs> like, you know... Um, Poker Face is is a good like that just reminds me of good summer times. Yeah. Also, Katy Perry's uh, California Girl also just like have good memories attached to like hearing that everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah, when I when I pick nostalgia, I really pick nostalgia. It's always like yeah. that's attached to a memory, like a funny memory or good memory. Same, yeah. Mm-hmm. Early Lady Gaga for me is like a summer when I was in college. Yeah. And a bunch of us like got together at a friend's house on the lake. I broke my ankle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I just, you know, whenever you look back, it it always seems easier in hindsight. But like when I think of the early Lady Gaga albums, I think of really good and easier and simpler times. So that's why I like the fame, because I think back to those good days back in like 2008, 2009. Well, I guess uh, I guess we'll see what happens. I do one more thing that I did want to bring up is I just think it's really interesting that a lot of these songs are um, hits because of TikTok. Like I was looking at this mm. list from uh, Billboard, and obviously, "Say So" is really big on TikTok, and also uh, "Blinded by the Light" uh, by The Weeknd, like that um, is huge on TikTok as well. Uh, so I, I kind of like wonder if maybe that that's our uh, collective cultural summer experience is is, you yeah. know, enjoying these songs through trends and memes and stuff. Well, and like radio, TikTok probably bats you over the head with these songs. So you just think about them more often. And that's why yeah. those flow to the top mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. charts. Yeah, it's been funny seeing Mr. Blue Sky be yes. such a big TikTok trend right now. I'm like, it's not even... An, a new song at all but yeah that's you're getting funny. to see kids discover new music for them so that's good that's cool all right well before we launch into recommendations to wrap the show up we did just want to provide a thank you to our latest patrons and a little plug for our patreon which you can find at patreon.com millennial if you're interested in supporting the show and gaining access to a library of what must be thousands of hours of bonus content at this point. But we wanted to reserve this space for some shout outs. So thank you to our latest patrons, Mike, Michael, Natalie, Peter, Mark, Bree, Olivia, Caitlin, Eric, Mark, Mercy, Aaron, Brooke, Beth, Stephanie, Tia, Sarah, Elizabeth, Josephine, Sarah, Laura, Christina, Patricia, Chris, Francesca, Daniel, Sonia, Alex, Kathleen, Hunter, and Erica. Welcome, and we are so thrilled to have you. Thank you, and I think you all will enjoy this week's After Dark. We are doing another Muggle Suck. This is the AMA edition. Like we said a few weeks ago, everybody loved that edition of Muggle Suck. It was a big one because Emerson sided with J.K. Rowling. It was a whole thing. But anyway, people have submitted questions like, 
Where is Ben now? Of all the hosts who have left the show, do you still keep in touch with anyone? What memory of the Harry Potter fandom makes you cringe to the hardest? Who was the acid quill? Do you two remember the acid quill? Oh, I do. I have no idea what that is. Oh, okay. Pam, you are in for a treat. <laughs> it was the fandom gossip site where oh all God. the dirt. There was a gossip girl of the Harry Potter fandom. Yes. yes. And I missed it. You wow. missed it. It was called the acid quill. Laura, do you know who was behind the acid quill? I feel like I found out but forgot. So that person came out to me a couple years ago. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I remember they this. came out to me. The, the acid quill outed me. They outed what? me as gay. Yes. Did they did they confess because they were apologizing to you? Yes. Wow. This person felt very bad that they did this because he's a whole different person now. He's not that little punk who uh, was being a being a Rita Skeeter. So we'll talk about that. Um, and there's a bunch of other questions here as well. So check out Muggle Suck AMA Edition over at patreon.com slash millennial. Like Laura said, you get access to tons of benefits. There's so much for you to catch up on. We've also posted a few things over the past week while we were off, including... Um, my pod being shipped off to Las Vegas as it left Chicago. And Pam, you posted a recipe. Yeah. Um, you know, again, with the picnicking theme that we've been doing all last week out here, um, I posted a salsa recipe straight from my grandma's cookbook. So if you want to make some awesome salsa, you can head over to Patreon amazing. and get that. Yeah, it's really Love good. It. And Laura posted a hilarious picture of Canela <laughs> being a wimp. So. Yeah, there's a story <laughs> behind it. <laughs> Awesome. Check it all out. Patreon.com slash millennial. We greatly appreciate your support. Thank you so much. It's time for recommendations. I want to recommend walkie talkies. So Pat had a very good idea that he got from a friend since we were road tripping out here and we were in separate cars that we buy walkie talkies for each of our cars and we could easily talk with each other while we're driving. We were driving one in front of the other and it was so much fun and so much better no, not only was it more fun, but it was a thousand times safer than calling each other every time we had something we needed to quickly relay to each other. So we were walkie-talking the whole time, and it was just a blast, and we had code names like we were truckers. At one point, we're driving. This is the final day of the trip, and Pat's driving in front of me, and suddenly I see sunglasses rolling down the highway, and I radio Pat, and I'm like, Pat, did you just run over sunglasses? He's like, no. There was a spider on my sunglasses, so I threw them out the window. Honestly, that's a mood. <laughs> that was so extra. I was like, how long had you had those sunglasses? He's like, oh, seven years. I'm like, you just tossed sunglasses you've had forever out the window because a spider was on them. Such a diva. Anyway, walkie-talkies, so much fun. Um, I wanted to recommend a story that's on the No Sleep subreddit. Um, so Reddit slash r slash no sleep for those of you horror fans. Um, it's a place where people write scary stories, paranormal stories as though they are really happening. Um, so it's written in like a, a sort of like a real like reality, like biographical type narrative. And there's this one story there called my wife and I bought a ranch in the mountains last year. And my neighbor had some interesting suggestions on how to manage our new land. Um, this story actually just got picked up by Netflix. Netflix paid this author on Reddit 
like seven figures for the rights to this story, which is super cool when you think about how many people use the subreddit just to spin their own like horror yarns. Um, And cool to see somebody who had a really solid original idea actually got their idea picked up. So definitely recommend reading this. It's really engaging. There are also some YouTube readings of this if you'd rather listen than read. Um, That's an option, too. And they add certain sound effects and things to make it particularly creepy. So this is what we were watching when I got that picture of Canela I put up on Patreon. Um, I wanted to recommend the Hario cold brew bottle. I got one of these for my birthday, and I've really been enjoying it. Um, It's the best home cold brew maker I've ever used. And it makes about like two 16-ounce cups worth. And it's fantastic. You can get it on um, Blue Bottle's website, but I'm sure that they sell it other places, too. Cool. Okay, good to know. You are the coffee expert, so we trust your feedback there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Before we wrap up, don't forget to follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow us and you will get updates about the show. We post behind-the-scenes looks from time to time and a lot more. So Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you want to write to us, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. And the website is also where we have our confessional. So you can write in and let us know if you too become a sex worker. That does it for this week's episode of Millennial. Thank you for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I think I've seen this film before. And I didn't like the ending. You're not my homeland anymore. So what am I defending now? You were my town, now I'm in exile seeing you out I think I've seen this film before